Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. Weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the race talk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. Thank you for joining us again. Tickford Racing boss Tim Edwards will join us after a massive week for his outfit and the sport itself. A week that saw 23 Red Racing pull out of supercars after losing its major sponsor in Milwaukee. Our comprehensive wrap of that story coming up in just a tick. We'll also speak to the CEO of NT Major Events, Tim Watsford, about the new supercar schedule, which has the Darwin event slated in for the 8th to the 9th of August. Plus, Mark Walker will jump on board at the end and we'll discuss and dissect, I should say, a massive week in motorsport. But first, this week's news, and we hear from the people making it. The big story of the week is the closing of the doors of 23 Red Racing after Racing Entitlement's contract owner Phil Mundy announced the team could no longer continue in supercars after tool company Milwaukee pulled its sponsorship. This has meant fan favourite Will Davison has been left without a drive. In a video to the supercars world, Davison thanked Mundy for the past two years. To, to Phil and to Milwaukee, um, a huge thank you. Phil, you're, you're a great friend. Uh, you're a wonderful bloke. Um, it's been an absolute privilege and honour to um, to have driven for you and 23 Red. I'm sorry we couldn't quite get that win. Um, I gave my absolute everything for you and uh, I'm sorry this has had to happen. I know how passionate you are and I can only thank you from the bottom of the heart for the opportunity. Davo praising the fans for their support in the past week through social media. I'd just like to say a, a huge thank you. Um, the, uh, the messages of support uh, in the last 24 hours has been absolutely overwhelming. Um, I've read through a lot of them so far um, on social media from the fans of our sport and it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely blown me away. It's been a, a pretty tough thing to take. Um, it's pretty hard to still get my head around the fact that uh, with the announcement today that we're going racy again, that uh, yeah, I won't be on the, on the grid um, in particular the 23 Milwaukee racing car. Will, though, assuring everyone that he will be back. Uh, we give our heart and soul to uh, what we do, and sometimes we make mistakes, sometimes we have good days, some days we have bad days. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's an amazing sport, and I'm really, really proud to have been a part of it for as long as I have. And uh, I can guarantee you I'll be giving everything I've got to uh, get myself back on the grid, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. I still feel like I've got a lot to offer. One man's loss is another man's gain, and that man is James Courtney, who's left his seat at Team City back in March after his drive at Round 1 in Adelaide, only to pick up a new team for Round 2 in Sydney four months later. Courtney says he's wrapped to be at Tickford with his sponsor Boost for the rest of the season. feels great to be back in the championship. These last couple of months have been a bit up and down, trying to work out exactly where we are. been really fortunate enough to have really good support with Boost Mobile and Peter Adderton and and Jason and everyone in the whole Boost Mobile team to uh, you know have that support behind me and, and um, working on projects and trying to come up with a solution. And uh, when this uh, raised its head, this chance with Tickford, it was uh, we couldn't pass it and had to jump at it. Courtney believes he can be a front runner throughout the year. So goals for 2020 have to be race wins, have to be podiums, have to be fastest laps. Um, you know, we have to be running in the front. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting the first couple of rounds, learn, learning the new car, the new team, the ergonomics, what buttons do what, 
everything's going to be vastly different to what I've had. You know, realistically, first couple of rounds are going to be tough, but definitely we have to get race results, race wins, podiums, you know, fastest laps, those sorts of things. Tickford boss Tim Edwards telling on the grid the approach to Tickford was made by Boost. It was Boost came to me. Um, you know, I sort of... I thought they were pretty much done and dusted with, um, you know, there's plenty of rumours doing the rounds that they were, they were heading down the, the um, sort of wildcard route at, uh, at Erebus um, with James driving there. So, I, I, to be honest, I, I just discounted it. I was, uh, did, didn't think that would uh, be a possibility, um, but they reached out. We will speak to Tim Edwards shortly. Tom Acciaruli, the marketing and sponsorship manager at Alcon Long Group, who have the brands at Dorich and Cowdroy, say the plan is to stick by Will through these trying times. Yeah, and you know we have we've always had long term ambassadors. So we've had Will since 2011, JB since 2007. So um, a lot of the value you get out of those guys is at our events, which we can't do, but also the the um, the relationship and ambassadorialship that these gentlemen provide for us um, to be linked with them. We will see Will in our industry, they know that he's the Doric guy. Yeah. People say JB, they know he's the Doric, he's sponsored by Doric. So we have that link that we built over a long time and that fits in with our, our long-term relationship business ethos and, and, and how we run our and how our business is. Um, so I definitely, you know, we'll definitely be supporting Will um, how, how we can in the short term, you know, first and foremost as a friend and then, uh, as a sponsor, um, to see how we can help get him through the, the shock of, of what's happened. And the big question, which is on everyone's lips at the moment, is how will motor racing come out on the other side of this COVID-19 situation? Aaron McGill is a driver in the TCM series, and he told Mark Walker it's going to be hard for drivers to find anything substantial in sponsorship for the rest of the 2020 season. I'm looking forward for when, when we come out of it, but I'm probably concerned with what the impact the virus is going to have on on guys like me, you know. Yeah. Um, people come to mind straight away, you know, Craig Dantas, who's another guy who's very good at getting sponsorship and relies on it. When the virus hit and everything was getting shut down, we, we had a, a small group of seven or eight smaller sponsors that were going to hopefully get us rolling. Anyway, yeah, they're all gone. Yeah. And um, I just don't know where you're going to be able to pick up the phone once the bands are lifted and sort of hit someone up for a, a one to two round series in this year and you need 50 to 70 or 80 grand or whatever it is to run the thing, you know what I mean? It's, it's not going to happen. I'd be surprised if you've got a field of substance that is other than self-funded race drivers who are cruising around. Anyone who relies on sponsorship, I think we're going to struggle. Meanwhile, Supercar CEO Sean Seymour announced on the weekend the revised 2020 calendar with a return to racing set for the weekend of June 27-28 at Sydney Motorsport Park. Seymour saying the first round at least will be crowdless and won't run with support races to enable supercars to stay under government crowding limits. Uh, for the first round, yeah, absolutely. So the, the restrictions that we're working to are under the current restrictions. Obviously, we're buoyed by some of the information that we're getting out of the government, the same as everybody else in, in Australia, the same information that we see restrict a pathway to restrictions easing. Uh, as they do, um, we'll be able to have some more freedom. That'll include the introduction of crowds over time as well as support categories. And while the calendar has been finalised, Seema says it's not setting concrete. Obviously, uh, everybody uh, has to be living with a much greater degree of flexibility and agility now than what they always have. The reality of the situation is that things may change in the future and we have to all be prepared uh, for those changes and be flexible. But based on the information that we have today, based on the work that we've done with our state government partners, we're really comfortable uh, with what we've got laid out in front of us, including getting over to Auckland. Supercars disappointed with the fact marquee events on the Gold Coast and Newcastle won't be run this season. Uh, Gold Coast and Newcastle were very difficult decisions for us. They're marquee events uh, as part of the supercars culture uh, as well as the championship. But for us, in consultation with the local government and the state government in New South Wales and Queensland, we decided that the best thing to do was focus on dedicated racetracks where we could control the medical constraints that we have to operate under in a more formal way, as well as not introduce any further disruption to residents of those cities that have already um, had disruption through COVID-19. 
The calendar will run into 2021 with Auckland set down for the 9th and 10th of January and the final round of the championship to be held at Bathurst on the 5th to the 7th of February as part of the 12-hour race. But will the 12-hour go ahead? Seema says it's still too early to tell. The Bathurst 12-hour is a key marquee event for us and we love going there every year and holding that event. The reality is it's relying on a lot of international competitors. So our number one focus is putting a stake on the ground to get supercars there. And as we start to build a competitor base and we've got a better line of sight with the GT category and we work through um, some more planning with SRO in Europe, we'll be able to give people a more complete picture about how that event may shape up. The boss of Northern Territory Major Events, Tim Watsford, to join us later in the show to talk about their event scheduled for August. A Commonwealth Games gold medalist and a rally champion were the big winners in the star-studded crash marred supercars celebrity e-race. John Stephenson taking the first race of the night when Supercross champ Dan Reardon crashed into DJ Carl Cox, allowing the former Carrera Cup driver Stephenson through for the win. Stephenson appreciative of the work of Dave Reynolds in his ear. He is absolutely the best spotter because all we do is laugh the whole way around. I think he keeps me relaxed. So, um, hey, how, when can you say you've got a Bathurst champion telling you how to drive around Bathurst? Even though it's not the real thing, um, it's been a hell of enjoyable. All right, Krause, we're joined by the team principal for Tickford Racing, Tim Edwards. G'day, Tim. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Surviving the COVID ISO life. Yes, aren't we all? It's uh, been a, a weird couple of months, and I presume for you an even weirder last seven or so days. Tough uh, tough week at the office? <laughs> I don't know. It's been a tough six to eight weeks at the office, to be perfectly honest. So you just you just wonder what next week's going to throw at you. <laughs> you just, um, you know, whether it's government restrictions or um, or issues with sponsors or, yeah, it just... Every week seems to bring new challenges. But I think finally, I think like most people, we feel we're sort of on the uphill trend now. Well, we like to think so anyway, you know. Um, I hope we're not going any further uh, further down, but it's great. We've got the calendar out and things like that. And so whilst we've had a few challenges thrown at us, we've, uh, I think we've navigated a path through. So onwards and upwards, isn't that what they say? They yeah. do. Fingers crossed, Tim. Um the, the obvious elephant in the room is the, the 23 red situation from last week. So how how quickly did that scenario present itself to you when it became apparent that that was going to stop and going to stop right now? Um, well, uh, to be honest, about a month ago, um, some initial conversations took place with, with Phil Monday that he was having some challenges with Milwaukee. So, sort of, you know, you could say the writing was on the wall um, back then, um, but it was only, I'm going to say, eight to ten days ago where he sort of got it in writing and and what we thought might happen happened. So, um, you know, it became very real, you know, less than two weeks ago and, um, uh, and that's when, you know, I, I'd been sort of in the back of my mind or more than back of my mind on, on paper as well working on what a three-car model would look like from from you know five to six weeks ago and um and uh yeah as it transpired i didn't need to go with that model but a lot had to happen in that short space of time over that sort of 10-day period was the approach to boost and james courtney from you guys as a as a backup plan i suppose or did they come to you once they knew that the position was available no, it actually um, it was it was boost came to me. Um, you know, I sort of I thought they were pretty much done and dusted with um, you know. There's plenty of rumours doing the rounds that they were they were heading down the the um, sort of wild card route at uh, at Erebus um, with James driving there. So I, I, to be honest, I I just discounted it. I was uh, didn't didn't think that would uh, be a possibility. Um, but they reached out and. Um, uh, and it was funny, you know, I think pretty quickly all sort of three parties, Phil Monday, myself, Boost, all realised, well, this actually makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, you know, from from our point of view, it's great because we get to retain that fourth car, you know, the crew that work on that car. You know, we've got the inventory sitting there, you know, is in the car. So from our point of view, it made perfect sense. From Phil's point of view, it kind of made sense that, he can make a bit more of an orderly exit. He can now think about selling his rack through the better, you know, the latter half of this year and doesn't have to just shelve it, you know, 
right now. And then from Boost perspective, they're looking at it going, well, hang on, for, for that amount of money, we can actually do every round for the rest of the year. Um, there's a car sitting there. We've got a driver. They've got a crew, you know, literally, you know, and I'm going to put it in very simple terms, change some stickers on a car yeah. mm. and, and we all get to go racing for the rest of the year. So for all three parties, it was like, hang on, this, um, we don't need much thinking music with this. This, this is the right solution. And, and to, to, be, to his credit, um, Barry Ryan from Erebus, um, when I first spoke to him, which was probably at day two, when actually this makes perfect sense, that's what needs to happen. So even from his perspective, you know, he could see for the, for the good of the championship and for, for the good of, you know, the health of our business, you know, not, not shelving a car partway through a season. Um, it, it just makes perfect sense to everybody. So then, Tim, with the uh, with the wreck, of course, uh, as we know, it belongs to Phil. Does it remain in Phil's hands? Is it just being leased by the team, or what's the situation? No, then? Yeah, no, it's still it's still Phil's wreck. You know, so you know um, that that remains the same. You know, he will negotiate with um, Peter Adderton and anybody else who might be interested in purchasing his wreck. You know, after the completion of this season, but no, the the wreck is is still fun at Phil Mondays. I know uh, Will Davo came back to Tickford via Phil and 23 Red when that relationship was really solidified at the start of last year. But, gee, they were looking good in Adelaide, weren't they? And, and they were fast at the, the brief bit of running we had in Melbourne too. So I, I imagine there's an element of frustration aside from all of the business side of it to that competitive product that you were building there across all four cars. Um, it's a bit of a, a stumbling block, I suppose, for that momentum that was really building. Oh, I mean, absolutely, and and you didn't even mention the test, you know. Yeah, yeah. Look yeah. at the test as well. So, you know, I think, you know, you, you hear teams often talk about it. You know, it, it takes a while for that chemistry to work between the team and the driver and the engineer, and you know, they went through that transition phase last year with with Brendan um, Will's engineer and him getting to know each other, and Brendan really understanding what Will needs in a car and when Will's describing something, what he's actually talking about because they all describe the intricacies of driving a car differently. So, you know, we went through that transition last year and so for it to not continue, yeah, it's obviously disappointing, you know, from a, even from a personal level, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've known Will for a long time now mm. and, you know, I'd like to think we're mates and so, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing for me and it's disappointing for the team and disappointing for Will. So it's, you know, that, you know, that's a, uh, a bit of pill to swallow, but I think everybody involved, you know, from Will and ourselves understand that, you know, it's something that's out of our control. You know, Milwaukee made a decision and, and the, that just had a flow on effect to right all the way down. It's one of those weird ones, Tim, looking from the outside in, the fact that the building industry and everything has still been going on and all the tradies have been doing their stuff. So you wonder how a company like Milwaukee could think that, you know, that, They've got issues financially, I suppose. Is it is this the first domino of a whole lot of dominoes to fall, or is this just a one-off? Do you think? Ah, oh, look, I mean, you, you don't really know what's going on inside a business. I mean, we're all just speculating, you know, on the outside. You know, who knows whether you know they're obviously a US company. Yeah. Who knows whether the you know somebody on the other side of the the water actually you know pulled the trigger. You just don't know. You know, obviously, we're we're. We're quite shielded from the rest of the world here, and I think we're all quite fortunate, and we're all feeling mm. quite fortunate, even though we're going through a shit time at the moment. Compared to what we're watching overseas, we're a bloody you know. If we talk about it, we're the lucky country. Well, we yeah. are the lucky country, and you know, the longer they keep those borders closed to the rest of the world, the happier I'll be. To be perfectly <laughs> honest. Hey. <laughs> um. How how have you managed this process from a business point of view with Tickford in general, and of course you've got the road car side to the business as well. So, what what's been the process for you over the last eight to ten weeks, and how you've managed it with staff and and what you guys have been doing internally? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, like most businesses, um, most of our um, staff are stood down at the moment. Um, you know, there's a lot of leave being used up, which, you know, obviously in the nature of this industry, there was a lot of people with a lot of leave accrued. So, mm. you know, it, that, that's been um, good to, for them to be able to take that. 
Um, but, you know, it's been tough. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we've had a skeleton crew there really doing facility maintenance, just a lot of things that we need to do around the place uh, that's, that's you kind of put off because you're more focused on going racing the next week than painting the skirts. But it's, um, you know, these things need to be done. But, you know, we've actually probably gone above and beyond with that. We've actually reconfigured the factory and I think it'll be a much better working environment for when, when the guys get back in a very short space of time. So, you know, that's been great to get that done. But, you know, by the same token, it's it's not ideal, you know, having a, the large percentage of workforce sitting at home. But it's, uh, it's pretty common around the country at the moment. So, yeah, I'll we brought a few extra people back in for the month of May and, you know, they were, it was amazing how happy they were to be back at work. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's, I think it's just been tough on everybody. And, and even those that have sort of been working, um, you know, a few of us like myself just been working from home in the study and, you know, you go into, into the factory a couple of days a week cause you just need to get out of the house and, and yeah. have a bit of normality and go and look at a race car for a few minutes just to remind yourself uh, what, what what business you're actually involved in. Yeah, for sure. I, this is the longest period I haven't been to a racetrack in 20 years, so it's uh, mm. it's crazy. Um, what, what's the process been like working with supercars to try and get this calendar back on track? And we know they've done a lot of work behind the scenes with their plans to return to racing, but w- what's the collaboration been like and, and has there been much in the way of discussion from the championship to the various stakeholders and teams yeah well look to be honest for the first month they really kept themselves to themselves because they you know whilst they were negotiating well not negotiating but while in discussions with government there's not much you know myself you know being on the commission could really contribute so Mm. we sort of went for a you know three four week period where there wasn't much going on, but then for the last three or four weeks, it's been pretty frantic. So we're having weekly commission meetings, they're having weekly board meetings. So, you know, there's a, once we kind of got to a point where there was actually something we could work with, um, we could actually do and start doing some work on it. And so, um, you know, they've been working really hard, same thing, you know, most of them are at home. So they're all, you know, having to work in, you know, um, uh, different situations. But it's, um, you know, I think, you'd say everybody's sort of pulling in the same direction because, you know, everybody's keen to make sure the team survives, the sport survives, you know. And I I, I suppose what's pleasing for me is that, you know, I can actually see the roadmap ahead, you know. I think if you'd asked me four to six weeks ago, I'd be going, holy shit, I hope we all survive this. Whereas now I'm looking at it, I'm looking at a calendar and I'm looking at, you know, formats that we're working on at the moment. I'm looking at, you know, bringing staff back and all of a sudden you can actually sort of see some light at the end of the tunnel and that we are on the uphill and that yeah. oh, we're going to get through this. And I think it'd be fair to say, you know, you know, our business and the supercar business and a lot of other things are going to be different on the other side of this. It's not going to be the, the, the probably the business and the sport that we were all signed up for, you know, three months ago. But, you know, I think it's um, ultimately that the show's going to go on and there'll be some changes that possibly should have happened in the past that, you know, we were either too scared or couldn't all agree on that that, that didn't happen and maybe now everybody will get on the bus and, and go in the same direction rather than, you know, it's like for a decade or, you know, I've been back in this sport now since uh, 16 years and, you know, there's so many times that, you know, somebody will come up with what I think is a good idea or I'll come up with what I think is a good idea and you invariably you get 50% of the people want to get on the bus because the yeah. other 50% either think they've got a, you know, technical advantage, a sporting advantage, whatever it is, or a financial advantage or whatever, and you never get everybody on the bus. And I think there's a there's a real mood in the, in the camp at the moment from the teams and the sport that, hang on, we all need to get on this bus and... And, um, oh yeah, so I think, you know, some good might come out of a pretty shit situation. Tim, we're going deep into, well, so we're going into 2021 uh, with that final round being scheduled for that uh, weekend in Bathurst. Normally we would then be racing in Adelaide at the end of February, early March. Do we expect that there's going to be some sort of break between this calendar and next year's calendar or will it be yeah. uh, a fairly continuous thing? There will be some kind of a break, but to be honest, over the last few years, we've been sneaking that first race 
you know, earlier and earlier. Yeah, you yeah. know, I remember it used to be in March and I was quite happy when it was in March and then you start sneaking into February and yeah, I think I think it'd be quite nice to get it back um, a, a little bit later because, you know, and that's why, you know, I mentioned 10 minutes ago, well, every team has so much accrued leave with all their mm. staff because by the time you finish racing in December and, you, you know, you go away and have some Christmas pudding and a couple of drinks and before you know it, you're, you're back at work you know, if you're lucky at the latest mid-January, it doesn't give you much of an opportunity to get rid of all that blue days and annual leave and long service leave and everything else. So yeah. I think if we could, you know, the new norm, for, you know, from my perspective would actually be going back to starting racing, you know, in, you know, some point in March um, rather than where we've snuck it to over the last couple of years. And and bigger picture, obviously we've got Gen 3 coming. We need a TV deal at some point as well. So there's, a whole lot of things that need to happen in a pretty short space of time. This is all going to have a pretty significant influence on where the sport goes in terms of all of those little aspects that have got to line up, right? Surely. Yeah. I mean, those things are still ticking over in the background, even though there's you know, probably not as much going on as there was before. They, they, they are still ticking over. So, um, you know, yes, there's a lot to, to, to happen, but I think priority at the moment is to get going racing again. Um, and then, you know, then we can start, you know, refocusing on Gen 3. And there's still been work going on on that, even even yeah. though, um, you know, I think we're probably quite fortunate that we're in the stage of Gen 3 that was really, it's a conceptual and, you know, design work stage anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, had we been in the, you know, in the phase of we're frantically trying to build them because we want to race them in six months, yeah. it would have had a bigger impact because we're in that conceptual stage still at the moment anyway you know, some of that stuff still carried on, you know, how big is the fuel tank, you know, where's the fuel tank located, you know, how low is the roof, what kind of what kind of brakes has the car got, you know, all that conceptual stuff has still been ticking over in the background anyway. So we're probably in the best phase of Gen 3 for this to all go down um, uh, with, you know, so it didn't impact it as much as you might think. Yeah, good. Final one for you, mate, and forget about everything else. I want to know about you. How the hell are you and how's your mental health? It's been a tough period for eight weeks. You know, you've had to let blokes off. You've had to tell people to go on holidays. You didn't know what the business was going to be like at the other end of it. How are you actually getting through it yourself? Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's pretty tough. You know, it's, it's, uh, it hasn't been easy, but um, I've taken to doing a little bit of sim racing, actually. That's kind of... Uh, I'm... I'm I'm a I'm a absolute amateur at it, but anyway, I was I was texting Cam today asking him what time I should be doing around Charlotte, and he sort of gave me a target time, and I hit that quite easy. And I thought, mate, I could actually be a driver here. <laughs> then he quickly corrected himself, going, "Oh, sorry, no." And then he gave me the time, and yeah, I was miles off. <laughs> so. you, you didn't didn't get an invite into the celebrity race on Monday night, did you? Which was highly no, I entertaining. Quite, I, I, I quietly never told anybody I was doing any <laughs> racing, so that uh, that my hand wasn't above the pulpit; it was well and truly below it. So, so look, I mean, look, you know, you know, I think it, you know everybody's found this this period challenging. So you know, it's um, and it, you know, I'm sure, you guys are exactly the same. You know, it's just yeah. life's life's tough, and you know, everybody's had to make changes, and everybody's had to reevaluate every single thing they do, and you know. Hang on, I don't need two, you know, Foxtel boxes. I can get by with one. So everybody's been making those, you know. I think it's been a bit of a cleansing period for everybody yeah. about you think about what's actually important in life and uh, and what's not. And clearly, family and friends are the are the, are the priority, and uh, and some of these other things, you know, maybe aren't. No, exactly right, mate. And as you said at the start, we can see light at the end of the tunnel, and that is not a bad thing. Really appreciate your time today, Tim. Thank you so much for that. And we hope to see you at a track soon. Yep. You, <laughs> I'm on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Thanks, Thanks for your Tim. time, mate. No worries. Cheers, guys. Tim Edwards joining us here on The Grid. All right, Cosy, time to catch up with the CEO of Northern Territory Major Events. His name is Tim Watsford, and he joins us now. G'day, Tim. How are you? G'day, fellas. Well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, excellent. Thank you. First of all, let me say that when we saw the calendar come out on Sunday, one of the things that we were absolutely excited about was the fact that supercars are going back to Darwin, one of the best rounds on the supercar <coughs> calendars. You guys must be wrapped. 
Yeah, we are. It's it's, it's been a long time coming. Uh, we're we're working really hard to put on a greater event in July, uh, pre COVID nineteen, and and I think working with the governing body and supercars um, has, has been a challenging task for everyone in the business. But like you said, it's good to have a, a line in the sand and date in the calendar now that we can all can work towards. Tim, we're always uh, very jealous of the Territorians with your amazing weather and even more so <laughs> last week with the fact that your pubs opened before the rest of the world. <laughs> so it must be a pretty good vibe up there at the moment. Yeah, it is. We, we've done a great job, I think, and, and the government in particular have, have been really hard early, I suppose, to, to, say, to say the least, with the, with the borders in particular, and, and we're kind of reaping the benefits now. I, I drove past a, a few pubs on Friday afternoon after work and, and you know, people are back to normal, or, or guess the new normal, we're calling it. So, you know, we're ahead of the rest of the country and, and, we're, um, and we're leading by example. So supercars come, uh, come August in particular is probably going to be um, a great event. Hopefully we can hold some crowds there as well. So just give us an indication of where things are at now. Date came out on Sunday, as Tony mentioned. So we've got a, a rough idea of where we're working to, but where are things at now as far as that planning goes and, and what obstacles first and foremost do you need to clear to actually get this thing happening? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, supercars have done a truckload of work behind the scenes and, and effectively it came to a head uh, probably between 10 days and two weeks ago where our medical experts, uh, chief medical officer and, and their medical experts basically got together to work out how supercars can get here first and foremost and, and start racing. So um, look, I'll be honest, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty grim at the start. It, it's hard to navigate away in particular through closed borders and, and the amount of teams and officials that, that travel with the events. Um, but look, we got to a point uh, end of last week um, that, that there's not a, a defined plan in place, so to speak, but there's enough light in the tunnel for us to work towards now. So um, that's, that's a really, really good sign for us. And, and, like I'm not going to lie about it, it's going to be a lot of work on Supercars' behalf and, and also us at, at NT Major Events to make sure that we can get in and get it done safely, uh, making sure there's no transmission of the virus within uh, within the NT and and also hosting hosting the guys um, safely as well and as, as they leave. So there's a bit of work to do, but um, like I said, there's light at the end of the tunnel and we're looking forward to, to August now. Tim, when uh, Richard and I and, and other guys were doing our sort of mock-up calendar of what we thought it might look like. I think all of us had Darwin out of the picture just because we thought of its remoteness and the fact yeah. that would it, run without, would it run without a crowd. It's going to be a totally different event. There's no doubt about that. And I think the, one of the big things about the Darwin Supercars event is the community spirit that goes around at the trucks going down the main street on the Wednesday and all that sort of stuff. I'm assuming that at this point in time that won't be happening. And is there a cut-off date where you and supercars need to make a decision to say this is how the event will run and there will be no changes? Yeah, look, look, you're right. From a from a support category perspective and, and I guess the, the on-track entertainment, um, that, that won't be present this year as, as what you've seen in previous years, which does make this event great. Um, key word that you've used is at this point in time. So we, we can't guarantee what the future looks like. Um, no, no one can. Uh, we look, we're hoping that... You know, restrictions will be relaxed between now and, and August and we can try to put some bells and whistles around the edges. But um, from a racing component, so, so our key priority with supercars in particular is, is to get them here. Um, and that's that's a huge logistical challenge in itself. And we've given ourselves till mid-June uh, or roughly six or seven weeks out from the proposed date being August 8th and 9th uh, to really cement in that COVID safety plan, uh, making sure that the teams can come in safely and, and, and get racing first and foremost. That's including broadcasters and, and officials that go with the event, which is things between 450 and 500 strong people. So it's, it's quite a task. Um, from that point, I, I think we'll have a bit more of a, a view on what the run into August is going to look like and, and what restrictions may or may not be in place. And, and then we can start to have a look at how the community can potentially be involved. Um, if, for example, there was a race tomorrow, uh, there'll be no... I guess, community interaction, which would effectively mean no crowds. Um, but we're really trying to keep an open mind, um, if, at least for the Territorians locally. It's, it's a motorsport heartland up here. We, we all know that. And we want to try and do our very best to, to at least get something away for them. Does, does the event work? It's one of the Territory's biggest events I know. And, and I know it generates a significant amount to the local economy. I think a number I read 
this week was over it was well over ten million dollars I think in terms of economic benefit that you guys get out um, if there's uh, either reduced attendance or no attendance that number would be diminished but it, there's still a viability to run the event regardless for the the TV benefits you get and the the, the tourism that comes out of the, the circus being there I suppose yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that some of the reasons why we hold major events is are to drive visitors from interstate. They're um, they're a key economic driver for for the investment that government has in events like that. And and you're right, we generate between 13 and 15 million out of that event, and it's usually our biggest event for the territory, which is which is a huge number um, considering uh, considering what what else we do around the territory. So, look, where we are, we we are behind the, the eight ball. Um, there are an, an enormous amount of other benefits though that we're going to work through now with supercars. The good thing from a commercial perspective with supercars, they've they've had a really blank page, and and I feel that's the case with all the governing bodies that they know that this is an extraordinary year, and and we don't have to butt our heads commercially. So. We've, we've kind of agreed to work in good faith and, and really try and drive value on other areas if we can't get those crowds through the doors. And that's just not on a 2020 basis. That's, that, that is potentially into 2021 and 2022. Um, from an NT-MEC perspective, they're a 10-year partner. We're, we're going to try and work with them as best we can. It's, it's, not, you know, it's not just this year and that's it. We've, we've had a, a long history. This will be the 22nd year of, of Darwin Supercars in, here in Darwin. So... You know, we've got a long history and we've got 10 years ahead of us. So we don't want to, we don't want to walk away from a partnership as, as well. But, um, but look, the, the broadcast component in itself is, is, quite, a, is quite a good reach. Uh, we, want to, we obviously want to try and generate as much as we can out of that. Um, and we'll also utilise other areas as they become available and, and, and try to drive that value that has historically been seen through, uh, through economic impact. That June date that you uh, mentioned before, Tim, in regards to a sort of a cutoff date, does that also include the knowledge of whether there would be any support categories and the like coming along with supercars? Is that all defined on that date? No, it, it's it's unfortunately at this point in time we've had to cancel all the support categories for this year's event. Um, it's it's literally let's try and get the supercars here is where we're at, and, and we're all going to work really hard to making sure that happens. Um, look, I'm relatively confident we'll, we'll be racing supercars. Uh, unfortunately, because all the support categories do come from interstate as well, um, there is obviously that logistical challenge beyond the 400, 450 to 500 people that supercars bring. Um, so we're working with our partners now to to, I guess, see what next year looks like, which is which is unfortunate. Um, to your point at the start, the, the event's going to be a completely different event. It's going to be, you know, a supercars diehard event for those that potentially can come along. Um, and it's and it's not going to be the 12 hours of gate opening times that we've done historically as well. So, look, it's, um, it's something that we had to draw a line in the sand now uh, and really focus our attention on... on I guess the supercars first and foremost, um, and and unfortunately that means yeah support categories and entertainment, which is concerts are a big part of this event too. We've had to yeah. unfortunately put a line through concerts for 2020, and you know and pull our investment and make sure 2021 is, is bigger and better yet. From an events business point of view, even broadly outside of the supercars, I mean this must be immensely hard work for you because events are hugely reliant on people turning up, and if people can't turn up, it makes them difficult to stage. Um, the, the, the implications of this are pretty far reaching, aren't they? In terms of how you guys go about your business and, and how in particular governments are trying to activate their tourism plans because domestic tourism is going to be such an important thing for the next six, 12 months, even during this process. So just speak to the impact on NT major events and, and broadly around that sort of area and putting on events where you're trying to get people to. Look, uh, we can't show away from it. We've got an industry that's literally on its knees at the moment. Um, I've worked in this my entire career, whether it's been sport, um, sport or, or venues. Now, in now, in kind of the government side, attracting content um, um, to the territory. So, it's even from a friendship perspective, or our colleagues, or mentors. Everyone is in incredibly bad shape in terms of the tourism, hospitality, and events industry at the moment. It's to your point. We can't house mass gatherings, and that's that's basically what we do for a job. Um, we're, we're trying to diversify a little bit and look at different ways on how mass gatherings can happen um, or events can happen. That's looking at digital digital arms or crowdless events or, or trying to do something a little bit different. I don't have all the answers at the moment. We're, we're still, I think we're only 10 weeks into, I guess, mass, mass gatherings being shut down. And I think that the landscape as we come out is going to be completely different. 
from a from a major events perspective in the Northern Territory, I'm incredibly optimistic, um, and and I and I like to keep light at the end of the tunnel. We've we've successfully moved some of our bigger events that were in the kind of April May window to back into the year, which is the September October, and and we're hopeful. Um, in principle, if borders are down and there's no community transmission of the virus, um, we'll be in good shape to start start running some events. Yep. Um, but more broadly speaking on tourism, um, whenever the bottom is, I don't think it's going to be a great result for, for tourism operators, um, hoteliers and, and airlines around, around the country yeah. um, in terms of how that how that comes out the other side. I'm, I don't want to be too grim, but I think I think a realism perspective is it's, it's going to be incredibly challenging through the recovery. And... You know, we're talking the back end or, or quarter four of this year is when we should be able to start seeing some people come into the territory yep. um, domestically. Um, internationally, I've, I've seen reports as late as 2023. So um, it's, it's, um, it's a long haul. Um, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping the industry comes through. And, and from a territory perspective, NTMEC is kind of the industry leader and, and we're trying to provide as much advice and, and sound, sound areas to try and work towards as we can. Um, but I think the, the realism perspective is there are some operators that will come out this other side and, and, and won't have anything to go to and, and they'll be unfortunately forced to fold. So, look, it's not a, it's not a great outlook. We're, we're trying to keep optimistic, like I said. Um, you know, fingers crossed uh, this ends sooner rather than later. Final one for you, Tim, before we let you go. Will we see the AFL Grand Final at TIO Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll, I'll try my hardest. I'll promise that. I'll promise that. <laughs> Shebex is the voice of the MCG, so I think he could be a gun for hire if you need a yeah, ground announcer. for a ground announcer on there. <laughs> well, I'll give you a buzz. I'll tell you what, we're lifting up every stone to try and get some opportunity up here. Um, that, that was publicised last week, and let's uh, let's just say some calls have been made. Excellent. <laughs> hey, actually, a re- an honest final one here for you. You were meant to give the job away, were you? Did you resign from this position late last year and sort of just stuck around? Oh, I did. I did. I, I uh, effectively resigned with a six-month lead-in, which would have taken us through to kind of early March. Um, coming out of Christmas, I've got a I've got a very persuasive chair and and um, and board, and um, and we decided to give it a stick. My family loves it here, so so we want to try and try and make a real go of it now. Um, circumstances have changed personally, which is which is another reason why I'm here. But man, I'm loving it. It's it's one of the best places to live and, and do some great stuff. Uh, to Bert and um, we've got a great supporting minister in Minister Moss and, and she seems to really run with us so um, yeah I'm here for the long haul. Well we hope we're back because I can speak for Tony and the group that we travel with we yeah. we tack a day or two on either side of the supercar round every year we're there as media so we try and get out in Darwin and even further aboard and see the site so uh, hopefully we're all back doing that sooner rather than later. Yeah fingers crossed if it's not 2020 boys it's going to be 2021 and you know we're looking forward to hosting everyone come back and Make it, uh, make it a party that it is. It certainly will be. Thanks for your time, Tim. Really do appreciate it. Good on you guys. Thank you. Tim Watts for joining us here on The Grid. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, Krause, we're joined by our old mate Mark Walker, also from the racetalk.com. G'day, Mark. Shebexter, Krause. There seems to be a bit going on. It's all lit up, hasn't it? If Finnecombe could have been a three-hour program this week, there's so much happening around the world. We'll try and dissect it in some sort of form or way. Uh, first of all, I suppose the massive news, as we've spoken about, has been the uh, the fallout from 23 Red Racing pulling out of uh, Tickford Racing and Boost and James Courtney coming in to uh, to take their spot. Thoughts, gentlemen? Well, it's interesting. James Courtney doesn't miss a round of the championship. No, was in Ad- that's the amazing thing. <laughs> was in Adelaide, um, last deal to do this Team Sydney thing, and we've covered that at length this season. That all fell over soon after that event, missed the Grand Prix, but the Grand Prix didn't happen. So he'll rock up to Sydney, assuming we're there at the end of June, and uh, it will be just like business as usual. And the irony is for JC, he jumps into one of the more competitive cars in the grid because... Will Davison was very, very fast. We've just heard from Tim Edwards talking about the pace that they had right through the pre-season test at the Bend, through Adelaide and through the Grand Prix practice. Um, yeah, they were quick. So it's a pretty good car to be in. Definite top 10 runner, if not more, by the time he gets his eye into a Mustang. So uh, it's definitely a win for James Courtney. It's a massive loss for um, for Will Davo, for sure. You can feel sorry for that guy, but he'll bounce back. 
Um, but as Tim touched on, it, it's it's a save for the sport because it keeps the car on the grid. And what could have been a quite big story in one of the 24 cars that remain on the supercars grid disappearing has been saved. So that that's a really important aspect to this is that the grid doesn't diminish. A former champion of the sport comes back onto the grid or, or stays there, depending on which way you look at it. So from a quality perspective, um, the racing isn't probably going to be diminished, Mark, and it, it ticks some boxes. It, it's a bit of a... It, it's a outfield boundary catch. They're reaching out and they've just got it through their fingers and um, they've managed to hold on to it. It's an odd one, isn't it? Uh, well, Davison definitely had that thing running towards the front of the field there. He topped the test day at the bend. I think that was about three years ago now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then he went to Adelaide where he's fourth and fifth. Uh, qualified third at the Grand Prix. was uh, on for a good weekend there. And now he is warming the bench. Hopefully he'll bounce back into a, a decent uh, enduro drive. From what I gather, that whole universe isn't quite settled yet, so I have uh, a feeling that there's a good chance that he'll still line up with a decent seat, so we'll wait and see. But then Boost, how about it? Uh, the reaction, I've got to say, I had a bit of a bruise of the comment section there, which is the barometer Risky. of how the world is thinking, <laughs> and uh, it, it wasn't great. Um, Boost were pretty out there last year with GRM pulling the pin there, which eventually saw them sinking, and here they're saving the day. So it's turned a complete 180 there in terms of that, and I don't think the fandom's really given them for what happened last year. The narrative's crazy, Shebex. Like, just the way this has unfolded, as Mark said, from Boost going, we're not going to be in supercars unless there's a control upright yeah. straight away. And to be fair, supercars have gone halfway with the control damper for this season, which was always in the pipeline. Um, we're not going to be there with a control up without a control upright. It's a waste of time. We're going to spend our money on other things, which uh, will embrace us. And there was talk of TCR and they're backing um, Jimmy Golding or they're backing some S5000 stuff as well. I think they were on Bieber's car there. Um, and now the, the narrative has changed in the space of 12 months to being... Um, we're saving jobs. We're in this to keep people employed, keep a car on the grid. This is good. Um, yeah, but the, the fan base has read through it a little bit, I think. Oh, don't get me wrong. Fantastic that they're doing it. I'd rather they be spending their money on motorsport than anything else. But it's a really strange turn of events to get your head around just with the, the way this narrative has unfolded over the last eight to 12 months. I mean, I obviously didn't hear what Tim had to say earlier, but Milwaukee leaving, I would mm. not have picked that because I would have seen that as a reasonably safe sort of a brand yeah. because hardware sales have been up. I mean, there's I asked him that question. Things. I asked yeah. him that question and he said, you don't know what happens inside a company. He said, more than likely, I suppose, the trigger might have been pulled from someone in America. Yep. So, oh, which is the, the deal with this sport. So many of these international brands, they want to keep going locally. You look at Volvo. Volvo Australia loved that program, mm. but it was a bean counter overseas who met his KPI and slashed the budget in Australia. And, you know, they've, a lot of these people have never seen a race, don't care. It's not their problem, but they're reaching their KPIs by saving a bit of money down under. So, you know, that's life, isn't it? I think there was, there's a, a little bit of clarification too from Tim in regards to the wreck, and I think there was early talk that the wreck had been handed back to supercars by Phil Mundy. We now know that Phil still owns the record. We'll hold on to it for the remainder of the year. And Boost and James Courtney are racing under that wreck. So I wonder whether that allows Phil to give, gives Phil time to putting a package together for next year and the possibility of Will Davison being back in that seat next year under Phil again. Oh, I don't know. But, I mean, Phil's been involved in the sport, been a great benefactor for so long. You look at how much... He put behind Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport when that was a thing. For so long, it was a, a Phil Monday sort of sponsored in a way car. So, I mean, he's, he's been involved for a very long time. So, it's, it's odd to see him on the sidelines, but um, hopefully, yeah, if he's got the wreck, uh, it'd be great to see him back out there. Well, and there's other stories around that this the 23 red thing, well, at least the Milwaukee element of it was tied to this season and this was going to be the last year regardless mm for Milwaukee, but that sort of forced that decision early. So, yeah, I mean, this this will give some leeway to Phil to um, 
to sell that that license and get what he possibly can for it. And as Tim touched on earlier, surely Peter Adderton is a candidate potentially to buy that. But there's other people out there shopping around for Rex at the moment. The, the market seems it's not buoyant, certainly, but there's certainly people sniffing around and certainly it's time to buy if you want to get into supercars. The the value would be there to do so. So that would be a pretty good pretty good license to buy, especially if you can remain allied with um, with Tickford Racing. So that would be... Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it, there's still there's still questions though, and and we still don't know. We've we've learned in this show that there's not going to be support categories in Darwin, and and if there was going to be an event with them, we thought it might have been that. So that's August. So it's pushing backwards, and it it everything's focused on getting these supercar events around. But we're still dealing with this scenario where Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk saying we're not going to open our borders until September. Um, Gladys in New South Wales has cracked the you-know-whats about that and said, that's ridiculous, we need to open it sooner than that. Um, the South Australian government has absolutely vetoed any border opening until at least late June from what we've heard recently this week. And it just goes on and on. And, and WA is pretty militant. I think they still want to secede anyway. So um, there's still so many variables to get through to even get to the point of going back car racing. I mean, surely there's been discussions with the Queensland government Yes, yeah. so they wouldn't have named Townsville on the on the no, calendar if it wasn't a possibility. And going back a step, going to Sydney for the Queensland teams to return after that, they must open up the borders there somehow mm. to let uh, those trucks through. So, I mean, obviously they've had the chats and they've figured out portions of it and what they will allow them to get through. One thing I did notice uh, pop up during the week is that two-car teams will be allowed 13 staff members at the racetrack for these events which I don't mm. think has been widely publicised. At least with Sydney Motorsport Park, there's going to be no media there trackside. That's probably going to um, get some people's knickers in a knot. <laughs> well, believe they should be there. Yeah. Uh, but certainly they're 13 crew members. That's um, it's a pretty low number, especially when you look at NASCAR, which opened up their season on the weekend over in Darlington. They had 16 people per car. Mm. I mean, over in North America, On 40 cars. this thing is, is rampant over there. Mm. Like, they still haven't sorted this stuff out and you've got your president over there doing all sorts of crazy things. Uh, we seem to be going in the right direction there by having these limited numbers to the track to try and make it work, to mm. uh, get past all these regulations and tick these boxes. It's going to be interesting though. 13 people uh, is a definite uh, lowering of that figure for a lot of these teams. Well, it rules out pit stops for starters, like, surely, or they're going to be really limited. It'll be yeah. one wheel gun or maybe two wheel guns and no fuel at the same time. There are ways and means around it, and, and they've been quite open about the fact they're throwing ideas around the commission to try and work out how this plays out, um, and that includes the Enduros. And we, we don't know if the Bend will be a 500k race. Um, Bathurst, we're told, will continue as planned, but... There may not be an Enduro Cup this year. It may just be Bathurst to get around that staffing because if you start introducing uh, pit stops into races, you need more people to run your cars. It doesn't surprise you that Townsville made the cut, being a semi-permanent sort of thing. Yeah. It's still, yeah. They still have to put a lot of blocks in there. They're still going to have to put up fences around the perimeter and make sure people don't just walk into the track. Mm. So, I mean, there's still going to be a reasonable investment there to make that a thing. Obviously, there won't quite be the infrastructure, like all the temporary grandstands and corporate facilities and whatnot, won't be necessary. But still, it's a fair effort to go to. Yeah, it's huge. Like it, that That's the biggest surprise out of this calendar. I fully expected it to run into January, February next year. That's fine. Don't have a problem with that. They've been teasing us with the summer season for 20 years. So Correct. we're going to get that inadvertently anyway. Um Rich, that's the only sort of thing that's been experimented with here. There's no midweek stuff. There's absolutely no night races. So that's been taken off the agenda. The only bit of experimentation out of this is the summer series. Yeah, yet. Though I will say that yet. And and there was a story this week about the ARDC coming out and saying, if, if the chance is there, we want to do a night race at some point. And there's room, I reckon, in that schedule to, to do that. I, I was surprised that they didn't come out with something straight away going, right, we're going to do a Wednesday night show at Sydney Motorsport Park in August, September, October, whenever it might be. We're going to try this thing, see how it works. Because if there's ever an opportunity to try it, it's now. And I know that they've yeah. been emboldened by 
e-series and the success that that's been, especially in dragging the digital audience along. It's been quite good. We've been tracking that on the race talk. Um, and certainly in the early weeks, it rated really well on Fox Sports as well. So, and, and especially with, um, with NRL and AFL sticking to pretty traditional scheduling when they're coming back. So that weekend model, midweek sport still isn't a thing. So I, they were pretty clear in saying that this is still, there's an asterisk alongside every event for starters, but formats haven't been worked out and it may change. So there, there may be a point where they go, right, well, we'll get a few underway and then we'll be a bit more emboldened about how we do this. And they may throw something else in, or they may change something to go, right. Well, instead of doing a two day event here, we'll do a, do a one day show. We'll squeeze something in, or maybe we'll add another event. Cause remember, we're going to end up at 12 events instead of the 14 that was originally yeah. scheduled. So, because we've lost gold coast and, uh, and new So, um, yeah, you'd, you'd, again, it, it's early to tell, but yeah, I, I was surprised that there weren't any more, risks taking because if there's a time to take risks and have a crack it's now but i i I think shebeck's a lot of this calendar was ticking a box for fox sports primarily and channel 10 secondarily to make sure that from a tv rights perspective they're okay and then after that he's ticking the government boxes and making sure that the major stakeholders in government who pay for a lot of these events are pacified that they're getting something And and that lends to the queensland model as well and clearly there's more value in them doing a TV show from Townsville than there is a TV show from Queensland Raceway, for example. I'd also like to know if there's been any amendment made to the TV contract because my understanding was the TV contract ends at the end of this year. Well, it does. Obviously, obviously, if we're going into two months of next year with races in January and February, there would have had to have been some sort of amendment made to that to make sure that Fox and 10 possibly cover those races. I would have thought that deal would be a pretty easy because one because let's and, not and forget it, too that the Bathurst twelve hour is normally a seven a seven event. So if Bathurst twelve hour does happen, what happens there? Who covers supercars? Who covers the twelve hour? Was it seven or is it Fox? Well, who, or is it or is it ten? Who's to say it can't be both? Well, yeah, and and I mean it's so hypothetical here, and the twelve hours a whole other kettle of fish to delve into. Um, because that relies on international borders opening, which looks pretty unlikely at the moment. But um, if if supercars run at the 12-hour, they will run on a specific day. The 12-hour will run on a different day. So Fox Sports could cover it all. Um, hypothetically, Seven could cover the 12-hour on the Sunday. Ten could show the supercars on the Saturday. The, the beauty of the way the supercar TV model works is that supercars produce it. So where it's fed out yeah. to doesn't matter, really. Um, but that's assuming 12 hours going to be on seven anyway. That's assuming supercars will be on 10. But the the um, the TV deal thing will be on a calendar year. It, and, and by calendar year, I don't mean January to December. It will be oh, yeah, with the, calendar the is, final yeah. event of this yeah. championship. And then if it has to change, it will change in that gap between um, between the final round scheduled for that February 7 date and then after that. And with that final Bathurst event, are we expecting that to be a sprint round? We're not expecting that to be an enduro, are we? No, I wouldn't. No, I, I believe they've, they've come out today and said it won't be an enduro. Okay. Okay, so you've got TV contracts uh, having to be messed with, but then you've also got all the sponsor contracts, the driver mm. contracts, all this other stuff that's going to leach over into next year, which is <laughs> uncharted waters. And it, I wouldn't be surprised if there's cars that lob up to those final two rounds in 2021 that look a bit different to what they – do at the end of December. We'll probably race in December at Sandown, mm. right in the middle of December there. So hopefully we'll have some decent weather at Sandown and everyone won't be off doing the Christmas shopping. Because I'll tell you what, if you, own a, if you own a house in Bathurst, you would be absolutely rubbing your hands together at the moment, wouldn't you? With the, with the, the possibility of there being all the international teams and all the supercar teams on the same weekend, you'd just be absolutely... Loving life. You'd make a killing. I'm I'm purposefully trying to not get too excited about the old B12 yet. Chebexy, no more. Oh, no, no, but I'm just saying the possibility. Of that event, yeah, yeah. It'd be but, a but then again, like tragedy if it this year and previous years, we've seen so many V8 participants involved in the 12 hour. So, you know, how does that pan out as well? Even just the guys running the cars have come from supercars. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Uh, from a team perspective, like you'd imagine that that would rule Triple Eight out from running a GT car in the 12 hour, for example. Um, and it would rule out a bunch of the supercar drivers from running that race. There, I don't think there's any doubt 
Um, they, those GT cars at that level are so difficult to drive there. Um, as we saw on Super Saturday of this year's 12-hour, or Silly Saturday, as it's called, um, that, yeah, trying to jump between one and another would be crazy. Uh, it would be a really, really challenging thing to do. It, it would be doable, but it would be bloody hard work. And if you're, if you're fighting for a championship, if you're Van Gisbergen or Jamie or Scotty, you're not doing both. You're focusing on the supercar stuff for sure, I would have thought. Um, yeah. yeah, again, hey, that Sandown date's mega. That's the best date Sandown has ever had in its existence. It runs into Christmas. It's into yeah. Christmas. Yeah. That's where you're going to lose your audience there. Yeah, but good weather. Good weather. It's before the bulk of cricket season fires up. There'd probably be a test match on if that happens. Um, but it's pre-Big Bash. Um, but it's outside of AFL, Shebex in Melbourne, and it's outside of Spring Racing Carnival for the first time in however long. Correct. No, it's a, it's a great weekend, and I'm just having a look at the calendar now. And from what we It'll heard earlier rain. in regards, watch. from what we heard earlier in regards to the Darwin situation and and the possibility of no crowd and no supports, so City Motorsport Park we know will probably be bare. We would say that Winton's probably going to be the same because the Andrews government won't have changed that much in regards to rules and regulations by then. Darwin then is round three. Townsville is probably going to also be possibly crowdless if we hear that they're not opening the borders until September. So that's August the 29th. That might not even run. The earliest and possible time that we might see a crowd and possibly supports would be September the 19th for the Bend, which is scheduled for a two-day meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And look, the ARDC at Sydney Motorsport Park have been very clear about looking into this model of um, park and viewer and, and this is a benefit for our sport in that yeah if there's a sport where you can social distance a crowd it's motor racing um, and local footy well and around local, some yeah. of those country ovals true yeah, that, actually yeah, exactly right Sydney motorsport park too how expansive yes. is the outfield there yeah. well yeah and and you mentioned the bend like I, I love the place <laughs> and the people that run it but it's a billion acres of not much so no, you, you could social distance the hell out of that event no problems but the, the idea of, of keeping people in their cars, like there's merit in that, surely. Like what better way? Like you're literally insulated from people by 1.5 metres and, you know, a glass window and steel and aluminium and everything that goes in it. So, you know, at, at Sydney Motorsport Park, certainly you get cars. Sandown, maybe not have anyone in the grandstand, but you could line the back straight and Red Hill up into the final corner yeah. there. Um and the list, the list goes on. So it'd be hard to do a Bathurst though. Um, but so, you know, that this is where innovation in motorsport will play a role and coming up with clever ideas where our sport can do it, where stadia sport may not be able to realistically do that for this year. So, and that might take some of the pain away from the promoters who are going to, who are not going to be real happy about not having crowds or campers or whatever it might be. And, you know, we had Chris Lewis-Williams on the show from Winton a couple of weeks ago talking about that scenario and how much they derive from camping and, and revenue. So if they can find a way to drag some of that back by having some punters sitting in cars, maybe you get three, four, five thousand 5,000 people spread around a three and a half, 4K racetrack, then it's not without the realms of possibility and it's not financially... Charge them $1,000 each. Well, for sure, absolutely. I still, I still find some sort of irony in the fact that I can line up with 200 people out front Bunnings on a Saturday afternoon, mm. but I can't go watch a game of footy. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we could do an entire podcast, Shebex, on how ridiculous this whole situation is. But anyway, <laughs> who has the time? Who has the time? Sponsors done? Calendar done? Anything else you want to talk about? What do you, uh, uh, you think of the Celebrity E-Series? Oh, best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it great? <laughs> It, seriously, folks, if you're listening and you haven't watched it, it's on demand, supercars.com, Facebook page, yeah. all the team's pages. It was just comedy. It was just great. There were some uh, cars launched into heaven. Yeah, uh, just some brilliant moments of TV. Greg Murphy stuck in pit lane yelling five minutes, five minutes. Yeah. Neil Crompton and Greg Murphy talking and Neil just having a complete sense of humour failure. Like you, you, Neil Crompton was having a terrible night. He's made it very clear he doesn't like sim racing. It's not his game. He was basically bribed into competing. He was a good sport. He did. He jumped on board. He beat Brad Jones in the end, which was terrific. Um, that was his sole goal. But 
you, you watched on live television a man having a sense of humor failure. <laughs> you shouldn't take joy in that, but my God, it was funny. Um, yeah, uh, full credit to Supercar Media and the crew, Nathan Tunners and Bryony and um, Chad and Garth, who did a ripper job of calling it. Uh, it was brilliant television. Loved it. And uh, I laughed a lot on Monday night. Very, very cool. Yeah. Actually, we should mention too the uh, the situation with Matty White and the fact that he's been let go by Channel 10. That's going to be a big blow for the remainder of the season for them. Well, it doesn't bode well for them retaining rights. And, and there's been stories in the Aussie press lately about 10 wanting out of supercars. Uh, they, despite their new ownership with CBS, it, it still seems pretty rudderless there as far as their sports rights stuff goes. So, um, yeah, where the free-to-air component of supercars goes in the future is the big, big part of this next TV deal. Mm. Um, you find it impossible that Fox won't retain the rights. No, they're not going to pay the same amount, but it it is valuable for them. It rates really well. We've tracked it. We've charted it. We know the value that it brings. So there'll be a deal there somewhere. Um, they're not going to get the same amount of money and they'll have to deal with that. But the free-to-air side is critical. Um, and and maybe we should dedicate a show to this, but but there's real impetus now, I think, to start looking at the digital option and doing a deal with somebody like a YouTube and, and finding a way to get a streaming deal. Even if it's not valuable now, um, they may be forced into doing it as the free-to-air way to watch supercars because um, the free-to-air networks in Australia are in a world of pain. So, yeah, yeah not sure. Not sure. Yeah. All right, boys. Always great to catch up. Thank you for your time tonight, Richard. No, thank you, boys. Always good. Nice to have some news, though, isn't it? It was good. Yeah, and looking forward to uh, to people's reactions on that. Mark, thank you for your time, as always. Thanks, Shebex. Uh, thank you, Krause, for coming and podcasting with us this week. Yeah, no, I'm sorry I oh, missed yes. last week. I, I, I did Please miss, explain. I did miss it. I actually enjoyed listening to the show because I don't normally listen to it because I'm on it, so why yeah. listen to it back? Um, so I actually enjoyed listening to it. It was it was good. I can I can see why people are people are listening to this in their tens. It's excellent. I um did, I really did you know, did you notice Shebex that the ratings went up by one last week? <laughs> yes, they did. Was that oh, that was Richard? That was me. That was, that was me. Was. Yeah, exactly. I was subscribed and everything. It's great. No, thank you. I appreciate you boys uh, filling in and, and Dale as well. So uh, Dale's got a bit of a cult fan base out of this podcast in here. Uh. So. I had to jump he back in. Cult we, leader. We, we got to watch the ego there. You just we got to manage the Rogers <laughs> scenario a little bit. He's he's late late to podcasting in his career, but we've just got to manage that. I think a, a little bit. So I had have to you never that. have you never wondered why everyone in his house wears orange? I have all part of the cult. It's part <laughs> of the cult costume. He's the cult leader. I'm telling you. I was you. wondering why you were going with that. But okay. All right. Catch you soon, guys, and catch you soon too. Thanks for joining us on the grid. We'll be back next week. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.